Hang on, what is Line of Duty? That's, that's the BBC show about bent coppers. Ah, I was thinking of Call of Duty. Oh, yeah, that's very different. But more, more you know, arguably more relevant to... Uh, well, no, it's not relevant to this podcast, actually, because we, we, uh, we have a Call of Duty podcast. We um, do. Does that mean well, we're not allowed to talk about Call of Duty because we'll be treading on their turf? Yep, it's banned. Gradually, the plan is to get a podcast up for every single PC game that exists so we can finally be free to just talk about nonsense all the time. What happens if someone else on RPS starts up talking about aquariums? I'll shoot them. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, with a laser gun. <laughs> wow, that'd be exciting. Well, I'm not, I'm not a barbarian. Actually, I suppose space barbarians use uh, laser guns all the time. That's actually got the makings of a great Ace Attorney case. What, did it, did it go sort of, sort of out there fantasy? No, but they are non. They are nonsensical. There's, there's in one of the later games. There's a case where someone basically <laughs> murders someone at a space center because they're worried that this this spaceship's gonna is coming, but it's due to come back to Earth in you know a couple of days or something. And they know that on board there's evidence of a previous murder they've done, like a space rock that they bludgeon someone with. And there's this great big convoluted thing about they've been nervously waiting for this space rock to return because they know it will prove them guilty of another murder. So they have to try and murder people to stop the spaceship from coming back. <laughs> so had they done a murder in space previously? I think they did a murder and then they, they thought, where can I hide the weapon, which is this space rock? And they thought, well, I'll put it on this spaceship because it's about to take off. No one will find it unless the spaceship comes back, which it then does. I suppose there's never been an IRL murder in space, has there? Well, we don't know. They wouldn't tell us about it. Thinking how expensive space programs are, it would probably taint them if we found out the astronauts had done a murder. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not like many astronauts go up. Like, and um, you know... But do, do as many astronauts come down? That's the question. Oh, I'm pretty sure they count. Do they? They're like, wait yeah. a second, guys. There have been 32 astronauts up, but only 31 astronauts down. What happened to Capable Pete? Welcome, listener, to episode... Oh, I said that like I was sort of doing a low-budget D&D knockoff TV show. Yeah, Welcome, traveller, to Gimli's World. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 135 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the co-op games special. This is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and it's the only podcast capable of launching a 140,000-kilogram payload into low-Earth orbit. Uh, Alice is in space today, um, so Dad's cooking dinner. That's me. I'm Nate Crowley, 
and with me, um, microwaving the mash, <laughs> is Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. Hello. I actually did, uh, I went through a period of eating microwave mashed a lot. Best thing to put on mash? Um, what do you mean, put on it? <laughs> well, you know, like cheese or spring onions or pepper or... Oh, no, I just like straight up mash. Not even a bit of butter? No, well, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I went through a period of buying pre-made, like, like ready meal mash from Marks and Spencer's during my bachelor years. That's a fairly powerful move. You can, you know, I just you can put still a... put things with it if you want. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I just put a tub of it in the microwave and then eat it out the tub in front of the TV, just eating a tub of mash with nothing in it. It's great. I think you would be good in space, you know. <laughs> Honestly, like, seriously, you, like, you just ate untreated nourishment paste. Yeah, it was, ni- it was nice. That's incredible. No, I'm not going to roast you for it. That is, that is a skill. <laughs> that is a skill. God knows how many years of my life I took off with my early diet habits. I don't know. Mash is fairly benign, isn't it? Mm. Cheese. It was cheese. I think it might have been cheesy mash. Oh, well, now hang on. The plot thickens. <laughs> As do my veins. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Before we move on, just because I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm quite hungry. What is your favourite cheese? Oh, I'm, I'm not very adventurous. Like, like probably just like straight up Gouda or something. Have you ever had an aged Gouda? Uh, I don't believe so, no. They're really nice. Um, you know like how an old cheddar is all like strong and almost crystally? And... Mm. Goudas get like that too. Oh, right. Yeah, they're mega. Oh, nice. I'll, oh, have to, I'll take some Gouda with me to space and then enjoy it when I get to Mars. Oh, you go to the moon. It's made of cheese. <laughs> Hang on, there was an old game where you went to the moon and it was made of cheese. Yeah? Did you ever... It was like a platformer. Hmm. No, I can't remember. That was a, probably a six out of five grade anecdote, that one. <laughs> Wallace and Gromit went to the moon and it was made of cheese. Yeah, famously. Um... And I'm really wrestling with my conscience here because this would be such a good point for a segue into the topic. But in our captain's absence, I'm going to continue to pilot the ship on a on a straight path, and we're going to have a yeah, just a little bit more um, off topic chat first. <laughs> How was your week, Matthew? Uh yeah, it was it was good. I've, it's my birthday tomorrow, so oh, congrats. Uh, I'm uh, you know. Looking, looking forward to that. Um, I've been doing. A, I'm not gonna like. I'm not trying to promote or anything. I've been doing a, another podcast about like game, sort of old games mags that I used to work on. Um, the back page. Yes, yes. I'll yes. plug it. It's great. Um, oh, thank you. Um, but it involves a lot of me looking over the old magazine. So I was going over some old mags and chuckling at all the old dumb jokes. And um, I don't know if you ever get this when you look back at like your earlier writing, but just not even be able to kind of comprehend how I wrote some of it. Not in that it was brilliant. It's just 
the thought process of it is so different to how I think now. You know, I, I, I don't think I could write a lot of that stuff again. I think, God, what was my brain doing when it did that? Um, uh, my, my brain's just sort of sinking further and further into a canyon of its own esoterica. So, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I don't think I'll ever feel that. You see, I felt um, I'd been climbing out of that realm into a more, I'd been getting more and more like corporate as I go on. Well, and no, now I look back and just I, think, who's this foolish young man? Yeah, but I started off writing um, very, very, very dry news stories about leasing companies buying oh, each yeah. other. They're, what a different, you know, our paths must have crossed on your way down into Whimsy World and my way out of it. Oh, it's like a chiasmus, isn't it? I love a chiasmus. I don't know what a chiasmus is. It's basically a fancy word for two things swapping places oh, over right. time. So if, like, in a film, actually Tra- the like film... Like trading places. Or, or face-off. Face-off. Is a classic chiasmus. That's what um, they should have put as the tagline. The classic chiasmus. Travolta. Cage, it's a classic chiasmus. <laughs> or cage chiasmus. No, it doesn't really work. Some kind of cage chiasmus thing, anyway. It's like the highbrow face-off. The soundtrack entirely replaced with Vivaldi. Yeah, it's Lars von Trier's face-off. And they only swap monocles. I think that's my eyepiece, sir. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we resolved that amicably. <laughs> yeah, after four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Snyder Cut a face off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I um I was speaking of Snyder Cuts. Um have you seen the trailer for the new The Suicide Squad? Uh, yeah, I have. I thought that looked really fun, and I thought of you. Because it had Steely Dan playing in the background, and I don't know if you like Steely Dan, but I just think of it as Matthew music, that sort of very dependable 70s light rock. <laughs> oh, I, I actually, uh, I don't think I could hum a single Steely Dan tune. If, like, if you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think I could name one, even. I've been humming that one all bloody week. It's very catchy. Yeah. I really like when the shark opens a man like a bag of crisps. Oh, that was good. I like the continued sort of journey of John Cena from WrestleMan to just funny man in films. Well, he's the thing that so many wrestlers have is extraordinary comic timing. Mm. And he's really being allowed to shine with it now, which I love for him. Mm. You know, I mean, he's really charismatic and... Unfortunately, he sort of got stuck with the most boring wrestling persona in the history of muscles. He just wore a hat, right? Like a cap. Do, 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 do. And, and had that sort of recorder as his theme tune, yeah. And claimed <laughs> so that he, he was pl- invisible. <laughs> if he played the recorder during his own entrance, that would be a bit more spicy. That'd be- Honestly, if he came down the ramp, like playing a Tudor rendition of his own theme tune <laughs> and actually dressed as a Tudor. <laughs> That'd be, I wonder if oh, they should do like a WWE pay-per-view 
where it's the same plot lines as usual and stuff. Inexplicably, everyone's in like Tudor garb. Oh, yeah. And all the music's harpsichord covers. Everyone's like, oh, do you remember the WWE Renaissance era? <laughs> yeah, the commentators are like, Harcourt, is that mine ears here? <laughs> Tis the Undertaker's theme. Glang, 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 Forsooth. Next month at WrestleMania, prithee I will snap thee in half. And, and bake your sons into a pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be up for that. So yeah, 15th century WrestleMania would be sick, actually. <laughs> so add, uh, add it to the to-do list. I'll get right on it. Um, what's happened in my week? Just the um, just the fish, really. The ever, as I was saying last time, it's the Sisyphean task of keeping everything topped up with water. I need to get this reverse osmosis plant installed. If only because it just sounds really, you know, proper mad science, doesn't it? Having a reverse osmosis plant. That sounds like a sort of a an aggressive tube that you wave at someone and they wither. Oh, for, for a second, when you said that, I thought in my head, I interpreted that as reverse photosynthesis. And I was like, why would you design a plant that took oxygen and turned it into carbon dioxide? That's a horrible plant, but that's not what osmosis is. Uh, well, plants do do that. They take carbon dioxide and turn it into oxygen. N- yeah. When, well, but a reverse version would be well. No, no, because they respire as well, which oh. is. But they which do. Is what more they don't teach you at GCSE biology. That's the thing. Yeah, it's all the positive spin on plants because they want you to dig them. But secretly, are you about to, are you about to blow my mind and tell me that plants are actually more damaging for the environment? Yeah, the uh, best way we can combat climate change is to exterminate all plant life. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's that's not true. That would be a nightmare. Uh, but no, plants do uh, do create. Oh, hang on! I'm getting really panicky now. In case I've just made an absolute simpleton of myself on national television. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do respire, just not much because they don't sort of run around much. I know they only like because uh, I've got CO2 injection systems on some of my fish tanks. Mm. to make the plants get extra muscly and i only put them on uh during the day because they don't use carbon dioxide at night because there's no light of course so that's this week's fish tank recommendation if you're thinking about using a co2 injection system turn it off at night you waste your money does what's going on in the fish tank change based on the weather like as it, as as it, things heat up outside do you have to adjust the tank uh i thought you meant like you know when you have like windy days at schools the kids no, go no. berserk it's sunny it's warm now it feels more like summer i don't know if that changes like the vibe of the tank yeah uh it can do different levels of light coming through the window a lot of my tanks get a little bit of spillover from the natural light so i can expect a bit of better plant growth um the ones that are warm water, 
are mostly on thermostats anyway. So if it gets warm, uh, it will just, you know, those will, those will cut off. But some of them are at room temperature and, and the behavior will change there. A lot of fish, um, like especially riverine fish, will tend to like breed when uh, the sort of the rains come in the spring or something, or maybe during the, the dry season where they come from. So they'll respond to the level of water in their tank and the temperature of the water changing and things like that. So I could actually make a lot of my fish extremely horny um, mm. just by pouring a bottle of cold water in the tank. Mm-hmm. So nice. Not how people work, but yeah. Aquari- so no, summer's great for the fish tanks. I like it. Oh, that's good. Because aquariums are always quite dark. No. No, I think that's just the dismal aquariums you're used to smashing no, 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 with your I've, hands. Every aquarium I've ever been to has been dark. Like the inside of a sea life centre is dark. Yeah, but that's so you can see the fish better because the tanks are lit. So and I mean that in the colloquial and the literal sense. <laughs> I mean, it makes it easier for me to, you know, perform my, my bangings and then slink off into the shadows. <laughs> it's good level design for me. Good level design. Well, do you know what? This is not half as good as the segue we had earlier about Ro- Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> Nearly said Wallace and Grimace. <laughs> um, but it'll do, because today we're talking about co-op games. After this sting. Right, I'm actually um, I'm going to do something really self-indulgent here. Oh, yeah. Uh, and begin this with a reading. Um, so uh, I, I, th- I think I'm allowed to get away with this every now well, and then. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, this is it when, you know, I'm just I'm abusing the temporary power I've been granted by circumstance. Um, you may or may not know, listeners, a few years ago I uh, wrote a book really silly book called the hundred best video games that don't exist. Uh, and it was exactly that. Uh, one of them came to mind when we decided on today's topic. Uh, so I'd like to introduce you to behind the bins at Burnley co-op warriors from 1994. One of the classics. Although the arcade scene of the early nineties was crowded with slick, colorful titles from Japan, it would be this game forged in the dismal heart of England that would become a worldwide hit and establish many of the conventions for the one-on-one fighting genre. Elegantly dismissing the usual thematic flair of martial arts prodigies and international tournaments, the action in bins centered around the alley behind a supermarket in a dying Lancashire town and the cast of hopeless bastards fighting it out to claim it as their own. With characters such as the Reeking Duke, a noble vagrant with a coat full of secrets and a face etched with regret, and Jimmy Needles, a creature of shadow and synthetic opioids, it was a refreshingly gritty take on an otherwise fantastical genre. The fighting, too, was shockingly consequence-heavy, while characters in games such as Lord of Beatings could walk away from fireballs intact. Characters in this game got injured, staggering away from blows with dangling shattered limbs and dented skulls. Bin's campaign mode was enthralling, with fights against playable characters interspersed with showdowns with bosses, including the management of the co-op itself, a local bent copper, 
and Peter Pike, the real MP for Burnley at the time of the game's release. <laughs> but where it really shone was versus mode, where as well as the familiar arcade cabinet controls, players had access to a massive foot pedal shaped like a bin lid that would cause their character to hiss the most vile swear words known to man. Environments to fight in were limited to the alley itself, the cells of the local cop shop, and the garden of a closed-down pub. But variety was introduced by weather effects including fog, rain, sleet, hail, drizzle, and rioting. Bins wasn't pretty, and it certainly wasn't glamorous, but the visceral thrill of claiming the bins themselves after a 20-minute slugfest which left you with a busted ankle and an eye that only looked downwards was impossible to match in any other fighter. There you go. P- piece of history for you there. Real game. Oh. I haven't heard of it. No, it's, um, yeah, some real forgotten gems in there. <laughs> I, I like coat full of secrets and an eye that only looks downwards. <laughs> those, are, those are your picks. Yeah. <laughs> what's your, um, your favourite co-op game, Matthew? What do you, what do you like to do? Um, I'm, so I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm a bit of a sucker for the old Gears of War in co-op. Um, actually, this is a really good point for today. Are we, what are we calling co-op games? Because, I mean, technically, like, you could say Overwatch is co-op, but that's a team game. We're talking about just strictly two, two, two folks having a time. Two, two human folks versus a, uh, yeah, some kind of computer scenario. Okay, that's good as well, because we're not PVE. talking about sort of double. PVE. <laughs> yeah. That uh, sounds like business, doesn't it? Which is obviously what, you know, Gears ticks that box. Um, I've played the last few with Catherine. It's quite a good setup because, you know, we can have it on separate PCs or separate. Uh, sometimes we try and get it one in the living room, me in the dining room, and then we open the doors so we can bellow at each other with our headsets. And we just shout across the house as we chop chop up things. Um, it's kind of weird because it's not like there's much like interplay in Gears of War between the two characters. You can kind of pick each other up if you're downed. But really, for the most part, it plays, you know, largely like a single-player game. But, you know, just in tandem with another person is good fun, churning stuff up. Um, I think that's the way with loads of shooters, though. I mean, if you think of, you know, some of the other sort of co-op classics like Halo or, or the Borderlands games that, you know you don't really have much you can do as a team that you couldn't do alone. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, you obviously have in gears, like if you play alone, there are AI characters sort of also laying down fire. And, you know, the suggestion is that there's a little bit too much going on for one, then one person can kind of deal with. Um, but it's not like there are massively complicated, um, kind of co-op elements to it as as it goes on they because they did the horde mode which is quite cooperative in that you you know you're you're you know the the challenge is hugely overwhelming and you really have to have like all angles covered and everything and they actually bought a bit of the horde mode into gears 4 which i didn't mind actually at the time like there's a few levels which are basically just horde levels in the campaign um but they're just i don't know that's kind of a, a fun time it's quite sort of you know, you've got the brainless chat between the kind of AI characters, and then you can layer on your own nonsense on top of that, which brings it to life. I uh, 
Do you know what? I've just had that moment I get sometimes on the podcast where listening to you or Alice talk about a game suddenly makes me decide I'm going to play it imminently. Um, I think I'm on holiday next week and I, I fancy some Gears of War. Which one do you think I should jump in with? Bearing on, I've played Gears Tactics. We both love that one. Um, but I've not actually played any of, well, I played the first Gears, but like when it was first released. Yeah. And all I remember, I think it was the first Gears, all I remember was like a really big muscly alien roaring and running around smashing into pillars. Yeah, that, that happens. Um, you didn't imagine that. Okay, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, I, I really like Gears 5 um, is, is the one I rate of, of, you know, to play now. It's got so some, jump in with the latest one, yeah. Yeah, jump in with the latest one. It's got it's got some really good stuff. You get a little. Um, it's not open worldy, but there's these little like small kind of hub areas where you get to drive like a little um, kind of skiff around like a desert and an icy sort of lake, which is quite fun. Um, and there's a really good there's some there's some good bits where you fight people on the ice and you can shoot the ice at their feet and then you dunk them in and then they just die instantly of cold, which I like. Um, well, that's pretty good. Oh yeah, it's got some. It's got some fun twists. It it like throws something fun into the mix every like, you know, ten minutes or something. It's I I really rated it. Me and Catherine had a good time with that one. I really like. Um, I like spectacle, Matthew. I want oh. big set pieces and. Oh, it's got spectacle. Has it got? You, you mentioned actually uh, as part of the fun with gears, the sort of, you know battles where a lot of, of sort of AI-controlled soldiers on both sides get thrown into the mix. I always, I remember playing the um, original Half-Life years ago and having my mind absolutely busticated by fighting the aliens and then having the soldiers show up. And I thought they were both going to gang up on me, but they started fighting each other. And being able to to continue doing a, a, a first person shooter in the midst of a wider firefight always feels way more exciting to oh, me. Oh yeah, two 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 uh, opposing AI forces fighting each other is always good in a game. I like it when you can like engineer it. You know, if you like throwing the meat in Far Cry to like draw animals to men. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Because you're always doing that. Yeah, I mean, a there's the spectacle, and b there's an interesting tactical element of like which of these guys do I want to be left with afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you're definitely rooting for like it's a weird it's a weird dynamic cuz you start off very much rooting for the animal cuz that's what you you've brought the animal into the mix. But as the fight goes on, you're like I could really do with someone firing a bazooka at this bear right now. Um I think a really good bit of enemy design is in another co-op game. Um, actually, the one I might dare to say we had become friends playing, uh, Borderlungs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and those, you know, the, the, the big men with the bins on their heads and then like a skull on a rope comes out of the bin and they go insane and get stronger and stronger. Oh, and you have to shoot the... What are they called? Yeah. Anyway, them, because yeah. they, they fight their mates, but the more they kill, the stronger they get. 
so that you know it's quite a common thing isn't it to sort of pop one's head off and then run away and it will clear up everyone in the area but then you've essentially made yourself a mini boss to fight yeah yeah that's good that's good dynamic all i really remember from that game was the big ribena john cena He's back again. Yes. <laughs> Ribena John Cena. That really, I can't believe we never said that at the time. <laughs> we said a lot of nonsense during that session. It was, uh, it was good. It was good. Um, Is there another Borderlands? No, it won't be for ages, will it? Yeah, I imagine they probably will make more Borderlands because it's too big. I, they're doing a big director's cut, but I feel like I've had my particular fill of, of three. I think I want something quite different from that franchise now because I didn't I didn't really go back to three much mm. after I played it for review because and honestly thinking about it, it's really hard to differentiate it from the other ones. Mm. Obviously there was new stuff and new characters and things, but I, I think I just want oh yeah. I'll never forget Big Socrates. <laughs> but I just kind of want you know, because again, that's co-op, but I find often the co-op experience is a bit dismal in Borderlands because you're both just essentially wandering around having gunfights yeah. of your own and sometimes both piling bullets into the same big enemy for a few seconds. Yeah, I think there's some stuff comes into play where you have like, you know, you're using your abilities at certain times to kind of stack stuff up and, and maybe help each other, but it's not like, it doesn't feel as obvious or key. I don't, like, that game's a bit of a time time kind of wasting game and you just kind of want to waste time with your mates, so it's as good that it's a space where your mates can be, I guess. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of co-op play exists, to be honest, is just yeah. a, a chat room with with. Very exciting background. Well, that's we always just say this when we're reviewing games and which co-op games back back when people were playing together quite a lot on when we were doing the magazines and stuff was like, is this a good co-op mode or am I just happy because I get to hang out with like, you know, whoever playing this? Um, it's quite hard to kind of split the two. I think. I tell you what, I I I, I forgive me if I've been stopped me as well if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before. But I've always had an idea, well, not always, like since I was born, because that'd be weird, <laughs> but I have ha- persistently had an idea for a co-op game that is such a good idea and such an obvious one, I cannot believe it hasn't been at least attempted. So have you seen Pacific Rim? Yeah. So the big, the big men in that are controlled via, if you've not seen it, it's got... Giant mechas that punch crocodiles from hell, and they're controlled by pairs of people, and they need to be really like close chums or lovers or family. You know, uh, you you can't just put like two randos in a in a mech because they're sort of psychically linked, sort of via some pipes. And if they want the big robot to punch, they're in these sort of gyroscope things, and they both have to mime a punch at the same time, yeah. and then the robot punches, which looked great on the screen. But Big dance dance revolution energy. You see? 
Right? Like, I mean, you could just... Someone could do that with a Dance Dance Revolution map. Mm. Uh, and and uh, Matt, not map. And, like, if you throw in the old, uh, what was it called? The Xbox Connect as well. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it would just be brilliant. A fighting mm. game. But, you, but, I mean, if you put it in VR as well, I tell, is two-player VR possible? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you've both got VR, so it's yeah. like you're both in the cockpit. And, and it like rates it's it's basically controlled through <laughs> synchronization. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like the, the, the more synchronized you are, the better the punches are. Oh, stuff yeah. like that. Oh look, there's I tell you what, when you're in an arcade, or when you were in an arcade when people used to do that kind of stuff, seeing two people absolutely ace dance dance revolution was pretty amazing. Cause it just looked it looked so cool. Like it made it it's such a like visual event in the arcade to to, to Sort of witness. Have you spent a lot of time in arcades? Not masses amount. Um, like <laughs> they're a bit like loud and full on, and also I like I feel a bit anxious about playing games in public because I'm so shit at them. You know, like an arcade's got a big like look at everything's got like a look at me energy because like when you put a pound in, like the volume turns up by like you know a thousand percent, and and everyone's like, whoa, let's look at this guy. And then if you're if you suck at like the Jurassic Park light gun game, you can sort of sense a crowd behind you being like, oh rubbish. Because you want to see someone get further than you've got or anyone else in the arcade has got. You don't want to be like some arcade noob. I uh in Japan a couple of years ago, I found almost everywhere I went universally pleasant, apart from like the single biggest concentration of bad vibes in all of Japan was on one floor of a five-story arcade complex in Hiroshima. Um, we were just sort of wandering around in the evening, and we had our little girl with us who was, you know, uh, she was only like six months old at the time. And we were looking around this arcade. It was quite interesting, you know, a Japanese arcade for somebody who's never been in one before. It's pretty fascinating. And then we got to the third floor and there was just about 15 blokes chain smoking and playing Mario Kart. And they all turned around at the same time with just the most stony expressions. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're going to die here. So <laughs> we, we just left. It was really weird. Like I did, you know, the, the, <laughs> the there was mega just something bad about vibes the energy of the, of the Hiroshima Mario Kart Club. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I don't know. It was like they're demons that were sort of meeting <laughs> to discuss, like the you know, the their vengeance on mankind, and they were disguising it as a game of Mario Kart, and we just blundered <laughs> into it. It's two white people and their baby. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, they felt really powerful, and yeah, we just we just left immediately. Didn't say a word. Just turned turned around and went straight back down the escalator. Nice, nice. I hope there. I hope they had a good game. I respect <laughs> them. Uh, speaking of um, a good game, any others you want to throw into this? Yeah, a couple actually. I want you to throw in um, uh, a little puzzle platformer called Kalimba, uh, which is. Uh, I played it on Xbox. It's on PC as well. Mate, I don't think... I think it's on Steam. Um, 
it's uh, Xbox first party thing about like sort of magical totem poles uh, pieces that kind of uh, it's got a big stacking mechanic where you sort of stack these little pieces. But it's kind of interesting because in the co-op mode, each player controls um, two pieces, which are split across uh, the kind of top screen and the bottom screen. Often, like there's there's two there's two kind of like levels of action going on. So it's kind of like a co-op between you, but also like within yourself, you're trying to kind of manage the relationship between the top and the bottom screen. And it it, it creates a lot of really funny kind of like sort of, you know, rub your tummy, pat your head moments where someone is trying to like jump on the bottom screen, but then the person has to kind of catch their jumping character on the top screen and things. It's It's got, when it's in full flow, it just looks, it looks like a real feat. Um, there's, there's such a wholesome entertainment to be had, isn't it? In like catching the human brain off guard and showing its complete incompetence. Yeah, it's good. But when you do it, I don't know. It's like it feels like two people like juggling together. You know, it feels like a kind of a truly kind of co-op experience, which I like. Um, the other one I wanted to flag up was uh, the co-op. I really like the little co-op campaign in Splinter Cell Conviction. Which which basically had two two agents kind of doing a a sort of small selection of the levels from the main campaign, um, but a lot of it was fun because it had I don't know if you remember conviction it had this like mechanic where you could mark enemies and yeah. then like automatically execute the marked enemies and in the co op there was quite a lot of stuff about you know if I get into this position I can mark the enemies which you can then execute you know it was all about like sight lines. Also, if someone got seen, uh, their like last known position as it appears to the enemies would be marked on the map, and you could use that to set up some quite good traps for two players, if I remember correctly, um, which is fun. And it also ends. I'm gonna I'm gonna massively spoil the co-op in Conviction, but like it's been quite a long time. Um, you do like the whole the whole thing together. You can skip ahead a minute if you don't want to hear this. You do you can uh you do the whole campaign together doing these missions and then in between missions you're on this like plane where you get your next objective and then you're on the plane and you're you're both secretly told to kill the other player. Um, no. Yeah, it's like this great like sort of like you know that's your final objective in the game is to get rid of the evidence and all of a sudden you don't know if the other person's had it and you have this sort of awkward. Because so often you're still talking over mics, and you're like, "Oh, all right, mate. Uh, let's uh, let's meet in the middle of the plane." <laughs> oh, that's that's dark. I love that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. I have now spoiled that, so apologies. But um, if you can rope someone into playing it, it's a really nice surprise <laughs> that I've spoiled. <laughs> yeah, but if if you know and the person you've roped in doesn't, it'll just be a slaughter. Well, it's great because I remember playing it for the first time and. The moment we both got the message, because we were just chatting away, and you can just sense the change in the the vibe of the game, because you both stop talking because you're reading the objective, and then it's super awkward after that. And you're I love like, that. Oh, oh yeah, that was really good. What a good thing. Let's, uh, yeah, why don't we meet up and do some like you know dabbing or whatever the gestures are, <laughs> <laughs> secretly loading up your silence pistol. <laughs> I was going to put in a, a little shout for Overcooked. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, 
yeah, a co-op game that drives people away from each other emotionally. It's so stressful, isn't it? I've had some, like, yeah, proper sort of... I played a couple of levels and then we agreed not to play it anymore because it just got a bit too spicy between me and Catherine. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like no matter how close you are with someone, it'll, it'll get aggro with that. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. My, um, I first played it with my cousin who has worked a lot um, in kitchens as a cook. And um, as anyone who's worked as a cook um, will be able to tell you, like that is a pretty spicy world. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I like, you know, I'm a, a, a pretty capable cook and I've done some event catering with him. Just uh, for fun, we did the, the the two of us did the uh, the catering right for a three musketeers LARP uh, a couple mm. of years ago, which was so bloody high end. <laughs> it was like it was an extraordinary endeavor, and we made like genuine like classic French cuisine for like about 200 people for 72 hours straight. I think I got about eight hours sleep over the whole period. And I was just working nonstop in the kitchen otherwise. Is that where that photo comes from? Yeah, the one of me passed (laughs) out dressed as a chef. I love that photo. It's like modern art. It's beautiful. It's totally real exhaustion as well. Uh, I think I'd been on my feet for genuinely 16 hours before that had been taken. Oh, God. Just to feed uh, some pretend musketeers. Well, they were, they were very real, Matthew. They became extremely real. Um, but yeah, the, the point of the anecdote is, like, we were a really good mate of mine, um, my cousin, and we were at each other's throats several times um, because of the sheer intensity of working like while completely exhausted in a room full of like fire and boiling water and stuff (laughs) and it's so interesting how overcooked kind of replicates that but the problem is you know in 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 a kitchen like the second you get a break you know you'll feel like the 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 best mates who ever lived instantly Mm. risen overcooked you just left with a lingering sourness because you haven't got the adrenaline in your system yeah i i used to wash up in a in a pub which meant that you were in the heart of that stress but you also really played no part in it so you're just sort of there sort of just absorbing like mega bad vibes for four hours um oh no you'd just be like the pig boy wouldn't you yeah it was great i remember there was this other guy oh this is a complete tangent but there was this guy who worked there and he had two anecdotes one was that he blew up the science lab at the school which simply wasn't true because it was still there um he said he blew it up using the gas nozzles on the desks and it was like well that's obviously not true because like you know i still go to that school and it's there and you did this what like three years ago like no his other claim to fame that he kept banging on about was that he'd collected all the now that's what I call music tapes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which at what the time, post? there was only like 30 of, so it wasn't that much of an achievement. 
like I own 30 tapes isn't a boast. <laughs> but yeah, now that's what I call music. That's that's what I remember from that job was him talking to me about that a lot. Now that should be an overcooked. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly boring anecdote, man. <laughs> Speaking of lies, that man's an example to us all. We're going to go down to the cavern in a minute where I've cooked up something special for you. Uh, but two things before that. First of all, uh, because I will not let it die, we have to identify a couple of characters we've talked about today and uh, su- suppose how their trip to the London Aquarium might go. Mm. Um, uh, well, Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War. Oh, and who's uh, who? Who's his co-op partner? He's well. He's got quite a few. Um, he's Dom, who is his co-op partner for a few games. Spoiler, that- spoiler alert! Not all the games. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Slab Muscleford. Yeah, there's him. And Gruff Thicknack. Uh, there's the Coltrane. There's um, a Baird. Um, that's the central four, and then there's like the young gears. There's the young muscle boys who are less muscly. Let's say Marcus Phoenix and Augustus Cole then, because yeah. I, I know Cole well from uh, Gears Tactics. I mean, would the aquarium survive? I mean, they them tapping on the glass because they're so big is. I don't know if they tap. I don't know if they're physically capable of tapping with arms that big. I. Th- I actually think they're very reasonable men. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because that, that's the thing I love about Gears is that when they're not sort of like gunishing, you know, giant spiders and stuff, they just look sadly at burned photographs. Yeah, but the thing in Gears, if you get too sad, you basically get killed. That's, <laughs> that's sort of the rule. So like Dom gets, Dom gets Dom's wife gets killed. Then he gets he gets really sad about that, and he starts like tending tomato plants, and that's basically like his days are numbered. The second he wanders into a scene with a plant, you're like, this <laughs> this guy's this guy's not for long in this game. Oh, so maybe that would be the tension at the aquarium is that if like if they behaved reasonably around the fish for too long. Mm. Like a corpse would come smashing through the wall and everyone would be done for. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with them is that the arenas they're in, like taken out, like they don't care what they shoot. They don't care like what they smash or kick down as long as it gets them to the enemies. So if they see red for whatever reason in the aquarium, like the tanks are total collateral damage, like you could see them crouching waist height, the, like the, the height of a tank. And then somehow, like, jumping through the tank to get to the other side. <laughs> but that's only if they start... I don't know what would have to be in the aquarium for them to start attacking. Well, yeah, because if we're putting, like, a legion of grey underground men in the aquarium, yeah, we've I mean, probably got bigger problems. Well, that's, that's also a bit unfair on the whole theoretical situation because that's, like, very much weighed against the fish. Um, well, yeah, and it's also... Yeah, that's a, a lot of cargo to take from a fictional world, and the device we're using can only only bring one or two people. If, I wonder if there's anything in the aquarium that's like weird enough or looks enough like a Gears enemy that they might you know, might trigger some kind of 
sort of flashback or something. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the series makes a ham-fisted attempt to, like, address PTSD as a topic, right? <laughs> yeah, it says if you, if you try and heal yourself with plants growing, you'll definitely die. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fight, carry on fighting. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, assuming they've got sort of brutish, cartoonishly simplified versions of like you know excruciatingly sad real life mental health problems mm. then yeah one of them would probably see a crab <laughs> lose it yeah that's yeah but the aquarium's doomed either way nice well i'm glad that's there there that's that's one for team castle yeah i guess this is how this becomes a bit more of a feature, isn't it, if we decide whether the aquarium or Matthew wins at the end. <laughs> I win, but I do have to... I only win by subjecting um, my friend to some, like, major, major trauma. <laughs> Just like Gears of War. <laughs> but, hey, listen, it, you know, it gets rid right, of some fish, so... <laughs> you know what else gets rid of some fish? The variety of high-powered automatic weapons available in Call of Duty Warzone, which, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I um, foreshadowed at the beginning of the podcast, Rock, Paper, Shotgun also has a podcast on. We're going to have an advert for it now. Warzone Audio Bank, from our gun barrels directly into your ear holes. Welcome to your new favourite fortnightly COD podcast, dropping in and sniping you from the side with all the latest Call of Duty Warzone goings on. Maybe you should have said CODcast? I'm James Law. And I'm Ed Thorne. Every second Friday we'll be dropping into the dance to discuss all the latest news and rumours from Activision's online juggernaut, Call of Duty Warzone. And of course, we'll also be sharing our own stories from the battlefield, such as that time James ruined our chances of victory by jumping into a vehicle and alerting everyone on the battlefield of our presence just so he could play Aha's Take On Me. You say that as if I don't do that every single match. Yeah, true. So basically, come and listen to your new favourite Call of Duty podcast, Warzone Audio Bang. Available on all good podcasting apps and Rock Paper Shot gun.com new episodes drop every second friday all right i don't have a snappy ending to this ad do you nah okay uh warzone audio bang flashbangs through the door right then are you ready to venture down into a very special cavern of lies i am should we do the sting yeah it's so weird when it's us setting up our own sting but let's do it the cavern of Halo 2. Oh. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd do something a bit different today. Because, um, I mean, I like the fact that Alice happened to be away for this co-op special. So it has been us um, doing a co-op of this podcast. Yeah. It's sort of like... Mario and Luigi, only well, no, it's more sort of Mario and Wario, isn't it? Which one of us is Wario? I think I'm Wario. Yeah, I was going to say I don't think I've got like enough chaotic energy to be Wario. No, you're a reasonable man. Um, but the other classic cult pairing that we haven't really discussed today 
uh, is Master Chief and the Arbiter of course of Halo Two, which is probably the co-op experience I've had the most fun with. I've played that a lot of times over the years. Um, and today, what I'm going to do, Matthew, is improvise uh, a roughly eight-minute-long role-playing game version of the first level of Halo Two. Cairo Station. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you're going to be... Uh, you, you can choose. Do you want to be Master Chief or the Arbiter? Uh, I feel like I've got a better handle on Master Chief as a character. Okay. So uh, you'll be him. And what I'm going to need you to do is go to Google and type in Roll D6... And that will bring a dice up on the screen, and you can press to roll it. So when I ask you to do a dice roll, you can, oh yeah? God, this is exciting. This is it. I just thought I'd surprise you, knowing you've only ever played a role-playing game once before. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd surprise you with this. Um, and But I was the DM last time, so you know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to stick very closely to the first level of Halo 2, which I know pretty well. Okay. So if you just stick to your instincts, you'll be fine. And we'll, but it's going to be really hard, yeah? Right. Like, this isn't going to be forgiving like D&D, where you haven't really got a game before your characters die in the first sesh. Yeah. So you'll only, you know, you'll only last as long as you last. And when you die, you can respawn as the Arbiter, but that's it. That's your own, only chance, <laughs> okay. yeah? Okay. So... Um, you wake up in some sort of futuristic bin, <laughs> and there's a uh, some nobody from the army asking you to nod and move your arms uh, to calibrate the controls. You roll a d6. On a roll of one, one of your arms is going to fall off, just like it does in the game if you get this bit wrong. Right. I'm rolling it. It's a one. <laughs> Master Chief now has one arm. That's oh, no. No, no dual wielding for you. Oh, but that's a classic Halo 2 feature. Yeah, well, you should have like been more careful in the, in the calibration pod, shouldn't you? The back of the box didn't say that this dual wielding was like temporary or only potentially in there. Well, that's a disappointment, Chief, says the nobody from the army. <laughs> Never mind. The station's <laughs> under attack, so you'd better follow me into the elevator and the next cutscene. Uh, so there's a cutscene, and we see the Covenant, the horrible squid men, are attacking the Earth. And Sergeant Johnson's very cross about it. You're on a space station, which has got a huge gun sellotape to it, mm. and it's vital that gun continues. Uh, there's a man with a rope pulling the trigger outside, and if he dies, that's it for the Earth. Oh so you're dumped out of the cutscene, and there's a load of Marines uh, running down some stairs to your left. Uh, there's a battle rifle and an SMG in front of them. Usually you could pick up both, but with one arm, uh, you can only pick up one. What's it going to be? Uh, it's got to be the battle rifle. It's classic. Okay. Um, so with the battle rifle, uh, you'll now be rolling 2d4 instead of d6 on rolls. Well done. 
um, nice. to mimic its burst fire. Okay. Um, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to stay in the in the command room. You're going to follow the Marines. Uh, you're free to do whatever you would. Uh, I think I should. I think I should follow the Marines because I want to see some of that AI versus AI fighting that we talked about. So uh, <clears throat> you head into what was like some sort of like snooker hall before the bad days, and the Marines start taking positions around the door at the far end. You can hear what sounds like alien dogmen roaring on the other side. This is going to be bad. There's an explosion. Uh, where are you standing? Uh, was the, wait, was the door behind me? Was it, it wasn't the door I just came through. No, no, it's the other side of the room. Well, I'm probably hiding behind a snooker table. Okay. Um, can you roll a d6 again? Not not a D4, because you're not using your gun. Okay. I've got a uh, two. Okay, so two bits of shrapnel hit you from the door. Oh, no. Uh, your shields are a bit, they're going, <laughs> So, you know, be careful. Um, four little grunts and a gorilla with an axe come in. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, how are you going to fight them? Uh, well, I, I've got my, my battle rifle, so I guess I should just uh, try and shoot them all in the head. Okay. Can you roll 2d4? Uh, who are you going to shoot at first? Uh, look, let's go for the grunts. Let's, okay. Let's warm up with the grunts. Uh, I've got a one and a two. Abysmal. Um, Good. You kill, kill one and wound the other. Uh, the gorilla's hitting you with the axe. I'm going to roll a d20. <laughs> why, uh, why are your dice so big? <laughs> Halo's an extremely hard game. <laughs> You're playing on legendary. Oh, okay. Uh, the gorilla batters you for 15 damage. Oh, Jesus. You're going... Now, um, what are you going to do? Yeah, and my shield? What's that doing? <laughs> <laughs> that is making the same noise. Luckily. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not very good at Halo this happens to me a lot in Halo and I probably just carry on fighting when I should probably go and hide so I don't know whether I should be true to to myself as a player or true to how Halo should be played well it's a role playing game you're true to yourself true to yourself well in which case I carry on trying to shoot the other grunts and the gorilla well surely you'd shoot the gorilla point blank right oh yeah he's right there in my face I'll let you roll 2d8 this time. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. And you've got to beat uh, 10. Okay, I've got a, uh, a 1 and a 7. Bear <laughs> fags, says the gorilla, uh, and then winks at the camera. Bear fags? Bear your fangs, uh, like the emotions fags. gorilla. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you know... There's more homelessness in Britain today than there has been for the last 15 years. We need to vote out of the government. Oh. There's, there's bigger facts for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, went political there. Uh, you shoot the gorilla, he just gets angry, he's going to hit you with the axe again. Uh, let's shoot him again. Uh, oh, yeah, his axe, uh, he misses because you duck out the way. All right, um, you've, you've got... 2d4 this time. You've got three to beat. Don't, don't mess this up. 
two and a four. Okay, the gorilla bursts. Uh, well done. The Marines have cleared up the grunts, and you're now through. Um, overlooking a courtyard, there's some more Marines uh, in the courtyard, again, waiting to be attacked. Uh, there's a turret up on the balcony. Um, but there's some good cover in the courtyard. No, I'm all about the turret. I'm a turret man. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, jump on. Uh, so this is going to be a quick fire round. Okay. It's a D20 duel. A, a stream of gorillas is pouring out of the door opposite. <laughs> and I'm going to... I'm going to roll a D20, tell you what I get. Then you're going to roll one. Uh, and you can add... Um, you can add five. Oh, nice. And when one of us beats the other person twice in a row, the other person dies. Oh, great. Okay, so you've got an advantage. Yeah. But it's pretty desperate. Yeah. Okay, first gorilla rolls a 14. I roll, got to roll a nine. A nine. Whoa. Yeah, you gunish him just before his axe kisses your helm. Okay, next gorilla. A six. Oh, you only need a one to beat this. Seven. Brilliant. The, um, you throw a plasma grenade Ooh. into the stream of gorillas and they all burst. Oh, You're fantastic. Through. Gorilla bits everywhere. Just, yeah, it's a, a wash in gorilla gibbs. Do I get an achievement? Uh, yeah, it says, uh, gone bananas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a cool set piece where a spaceship explodes outside the window. Oh, now you're in a big hangar, and there's nasty ships coming in. Guess what? More Covenant. Oh, Jesus. Quick question. Am I playing this with the original graphics or the remade graphics for the, the PC update? The original graphics. Oh, okay. Uh, freestyle this one. How are you going to approach it? There's three transports in there with loads of grunts pouring out of them. What's your tactic? I'll probably chuck some more grenades if I've got them. Uh, roll a d4. Find out how many grenades you've got of each kind. I've got two. Uh, so you've got two frag grenades and roll another d4. I've got two. And you used one of them, so one plasmid grenade. Right. All right, I'll roll a d20 to see how many grunts are in the room. And then you're going to roll a, a d8 for your plasma grenade and then a d6 for each of your frag grenades. And we'll see if you can, we'll just add them up, see, uh, see who wins. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I'm going to make it a bit more challenging. I'm going to roll a D20 and a D4. Yeah. Uh, so I've rolled a 10 and a 2. So there's 12 grunts. Yeah. Uh, give me two D6s and a D8. Big maths. Oh, two, two and a 6, a 10. Demon, says one of the grunts. Any more bigger uh, facts? Yeah. Um, um, says it's terrible to sleep rough. Please be humane and condemn <laughs> oh. uh, hostile architecture on park benches and things. Right. It's, they're really socially conscious, the Covenant. Um, oh, God. I forgot Bungie were like this in their writing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a strange breaking of the fourth wall to bring home the sober reality. I agree with it, but it's also quite preachy. 
Yeah, it was just an odd change of tone for a space station <laughs> battle, isn't yeah. it? And it was the last thing you hear before you're obliterated. Oh, um, that's Master Chief dead. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Uh, he chucked all those grenades with his one arm. <laughs> he did really well at that. Um, Got a brief lecture about hostile <laughs> architecture. <laughs> well, <And> died, <laughs> just like in the game. <laughs> I tell you what. No, this isn't co-op. I'm not going to bring in the Arbiter. I think I I I was originally going to be really hardcore with this, and I, I then threw you a bone. But I don't think it needs it. I think we may do this again one day. See if you can get past the hanger. <laughs> Will I ever get past the hanger? <laughs> so that was the uh, <laughs> that was the Halo Two RPG that I made up on the spot. <laughs> I loved uh, it. I think you I, should, hope- I think you should sell it to Xbox. <laughs> What do it as like um like one of those like uh like old VHS games you'd get. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's just me in like a big armchair narrating yeah. the action of Halo 2 with some fudge <laughs> dice rolls. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. I'm not sure Xbox would sign off on Master Chief losing a whole arm in his analog stick tutorial. Well, you know, it's um I think that would add some some higher stakes to uh, the game. It is I guess that's that's legendary difficulty for you. But don't worry, you're leaving the cavern with both of your arms and uh yeah, and a, a burning desire to do better next time. Thank Thanks you. for playing. Thank you, Dungeon Master, I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, Matthew, did you have fun in the cavern? I loved it. Oh, you won't believe what happened in there. Um, who was running it this time? Some I actually I didn't catch their name, but it was it was it was some some being that knew a lot about Halo 2. Oh, it was I think it was Ken Loach. Oh, was that Ken Loach? Oh yeah. god, yeah. of course. I keep forgetting Ken Loach has that stalled Halo 2 adaptation he's been trying to get off the ground. One day. One day. I, I tell you what, it, it it does definitely explains all the beggar facts. That's it. Yeah, that's where the social consciousness comes in. That was Ken Loach's Halo Two. Oh, now it makes sense. Well, I'm glad you had fun with it, um, and that brings us pretty much to the end of today's fun and games. Apart from uh, one thing, the recommendations. What do you have that isn't a PC game to recommend to us this week? I'm going to recommend, surprise, surprise, a Japanese crime thriller. No way! Yeah, called All She Was Worth, written by Miyuki Miyabe. Um, it's, I only picked this one up recently. I had to get it secondhand. I don't know if it's easy to buy like a, a new copy these days, but there seems to be lots of secondhand copies. Um, like it was written in the early 90s, which I didn't really cotton on to until quite far into the book because it's, it's all about sort of debt and kind of credit card woes in a way which seems quite sort of obvious. When I was reading it, I was like, well, this doesn't seem that spicy. But in the context of when it was written, I think people were probably discovering the kind of nightmare of how debt and various debt scans could kind of pile up. Um, But reading it now, it's almost a little quaint, but I did enjoy it. Got a credit credit based thriller. Yeah, well, that's. um... You know, it's like, you know, about it feels like it was a good 20 years ago that the news started running loads of stories about 
how everyone was running up like mad debt on all these like store cards and things. Yeah, it was. Um, oh gosh, now it's giving me Marcus Phoenix style flashbacks to when I used to uh, edit the debt collection trade magazine. <laughs> um, God, that was a war crime. <laughs> so I've moved on from it now. Uh, I'm going to recommend. Oh no, I've cleared my desk. Oh, um, dear. <laughs> Radiators. <laughs> oh, God. Anything that's in your line of sight. <laughs> <laughs> They're good in the winter. Um, no, it must be something I've experienced. Um, Have you drunk any more rank milks out the can? Oh, no. I watched a telly thing. Oh. Because um, I had my fleeting interest in DC this week with the, the, the Suicide Squad trailer. Right. Um, there is... So I, I don't really like DC characters. I don't really like comics on the whole. But someone recommended the um, uh, Harley Quinn animated show they've done, which is sort of Deadpool-style R-rated okay. thing. And it's extremely funny. The Bane in it does the Bane voice uh, from the Christopher Nolan films, oh, which okay. is extremely funny. It's um, The gore is completely OTT. I could have done without that. I don't need to see so many smashed-up limbs. But uh, it, Just it was saying that you were happy because you saw a man touring half by a shark. Yeah, but that's that's fine. Oh right, of course, that's fine. No, this is like I don't know why it's sometimes more upsetting in cartoons. Like, mm. you know, that is it's really weird. Like um, practical effects stuff never really gets me, but when it's very graphic in cartoons, yeah, I don't know why it just. Um, Gives me the heebie-jeebies a bit more. But it's really, really, really funny. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess if there's a side of hero stuff I enjoy, it's the, you know, it, it's when companies are happy to mock their own IP, um, mm. which is not something I've really seen DC doing, uh, but they really lay into it and how silly everything in Batman is. Uh, it's good fun. Uh, Clayface is played by Alan Tudyk uh, doing, and he's, he's like a, a, a desperate aspiring actor right. uh, because he, he shapeshifts into people is his villain thing. But he's, he's completely unconvincing because he overacts every single time. It's very funny. Mm. So yeah, I, I watched something and I, it wasn't bad. So I've recommended it. Nice. That's about it. For this time, thank you for joining us for this <clears throat> episode 135 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best co-op games special. Um, and you're glad to know. Uh, uh, hopefully, Alice will be back with us next week, and we'll get the gang back together. Um, in the meantime, Rock Paper Shotgun is on Bookface. Uh, it's on Twitter and it's on YouTube. Just you know, type in Rock Paper Shotgun and find it. You, you know, you're not going to listen to a URL and, and write it down. That'd be a Newman. Uh, just, <laughs> just do a search. Uh, don't forget to listen to The Week Spot, which is Matthew and Colm's podcast. Um, that's a good one. And also The Warzone Audio Bang, what you done heard an advert for just a few minutes ago. Uh, we've got Teespring Shop. Um, which is Teespring. I just said you'll never write down the URL. I'll fall on that sword now. Uh, it's 
teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash rock, paper, shotgun. Uh, Alice, I think, uh, no, I'm not going to say anything about merch because I don't know the situation. Alice will. She'll update you. Uh, <laughs> and join the Discord. As always, I'll evangelize uh, the Rock, Paper, Shotgun Discord channel. There's a, sp- a specific podcast area uh, channel thing. It's lovely. Come and say hello. Uh, rate us, review us, give us all the stars in the galaxy. <sighs> Tell your friends. Uh, this is a cool place to be. And if you're going to tweet about us, which you should, please tweet with the hashtags Big Oats, Fat Blood, and Shergar's Heart Squad, because <laughs> uh, that, dear listener, is the squad you are in. Uh, and, of course, for all your PC game what's names, you know, just go on www.rockpapershotgun.com. Um, yeah, that's it. Have a lovely time. Until next time, uh, there's... Loads of grey men pouring out of the floor with chainsaws, so I, I, I best hightail it. Nice. And I suppose you best as well, Matthew. I'll do it. Bye for now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a gunfight. Roll the gears of war theme.